You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dan Ryan, Dean DeFalco, and Devin Goldstein. For the best comic podcast with the most personality on the web, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy. This is the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 48. I am your host, Dan Ryan. The next voice you hear is Dean DeFalco. Sequentiality at its finest. <laughs> Sequentiality. Can that be our, our tagline from now on? Yeah, sure. I'll change it. Fuck yeah. Oh, a, actually, that kind of works, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. That's fabulous. All right. We're, that's, that's the new tagline for the fucking podcast. I'll work that in. Well done, sir. Thank you. Look at that. See, we're letting people in behind the scenes. Everybody thinks that, you know, podcasters and whatnot have their shit together. Nope, they just edit it out. I promise they come up with it in the middle of conversation as well. We just, we we like to let you in on the, the behind the scenes, the inside baseball, the inner workings of the Geek Aid Empire. That's seriously how we do everything. <laughs> really is seat of the pants. Pants might probably be on fire as we're running around figuring shit out. True, but, true story. Such is life. I like it. I'm happy to be a part of this plan. Anyway, uh, Evan is not with us this week uh, due to unforeseen nematode reoccurrences, which is really a son of a bitch. I mean, you think you've got the thing licked, uh, no pun intended, and and then out of nowhere, it's like reinfestation of nematodes. Well, the nematodes have herpes as well. Son of a bitch, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, so it's it's extra dangerous, apparently. <laughs> that is extra dangerous, I agree. Yeah. Ne- Herpy-infused nematode. That sounds... See, now, here's where it gets a little weird, because nematodes, as we all know, we've all been to school and studied history... Obviously. ...don't, don't traditionally get herpes. So, this almost sounds like a weaponized form of nematode, which means if we extrapolate this out to its logical conclusion, somebody is trying to kill Evan. Uh, yeah. Um, Kim Jong-un has a big poster of Evan <laughs> in his, uh, in his war room. And he's like, I'm going to weaponize nematodes and I'm going to kill that son of a bitch. So, or God, just give him really, really itchy nuts it. for the rest of his life. <laughs> Either way. Death, itchy balls. Same thing, man. If, if you got balls, you know when they're itchy, that's almost like death. Oh, God, no, it's terrible, especially during the summer. It's all hot and sweaty. Your friend comes up to you, and they're like, hey, you want to see the gum stuck to the side of my leg? And you're like, ugh, <laughs> no, I don't. It's not 1987 anymore. That hasn't been funny in years. It was funny to me because I was only born in 88, so. <laughs> Shit, I'm old. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, fuck, man. North Korea attacking Evan. That's, I didn't know it went that deep. Yeah, yeah. You know, what are you going to do? But, uh, fuck, Evan, we know. read some comics. We certainly did. Dean, what did you read this week? I hear there was a, a, certain, a certain blue animal that ran his way into your heart and just won't let go. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, Sonic 275 came out. Apparently that's a big deal for Archie. 
because no. Well, think about that. Two hundred and seventy-five issues. They also made the two hundred fiftieth issue a big deal, and the two hundred twenty-fifth, and the two hundredth. I get well, it. I, are they constantly so, like, "Fuck, I'm, we're still publishing this book"? Holy yeah, maybe, shit! Maybe Let's I don't celebrate. Know, man. Uh, I. There's nothing that made it any. Oh, actually, it was. I think it was an an extra large comic this week, mm. which I mean, you know, whatever. I'm. I don't really care. It was cool. <laughs> it, it was extra long for no reason whatsoever. It was basically. The entire comic was Sigma being like, you can't beat me. And every single hero being like, I'm going to throw my axe at you or shoot a laser beam or drive a dragon into your face. Wait, all the heroes had axes, laser beams, and dragons? Pretty much. I think I hit every single weapon that they were using. Oh, wait, that, no. That sounds very uh, golden axe my, 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 Yeah, pretty close. There was a golden. There were a couple golden axe moments. Hmm. But Ryu, no. Ken and Knuckles had a frame together where they were dragon punching, I think, Sigma's fist or his chin. It doesn't matter. It looked really cool. <laughs> doesn't matter. It, no, it doesn't. You know what, to so, be honest, that was the entire book. The entire book was them beating the shit out of Sigma, and then the last two pages, him being like, I am God form now. You can't beat me. And him just slapping the shit out of everyone very easily. And then Okami being like, oh, no, the Celestial Brush doesn't work. Nothing can beat the Celestial Brush. How did he do it? And then Sonic and Mega Man used to fucking Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> now they're all golden, and they look cool. Super Mega Armor Mega Man and Super Sonic are there. And then to be continued, because I wonder what happens next. Tell you what, I'll finish the book for you. They win. The end. <laughs> Done. I, I finished the book. I did it myself. Look at that. I should write for Archie because apparently it's super simple. I love that you called Amaterasu Okami. Whatever. Fuck, man. I didn't play the damn game. That's just like people calling Link Zelda. But, you know, I, I, Zelda, you know, I never, played, fucking I never played Okami. It was, that was way towards the end of the PS2. Yeah. I think that it's was a dope like, game, though. It's really pretty. It, no, I know. I know it was super pretty. I should have got it. I think I had it when it was on the Wii, but the Wii remote. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, I digress. You know, I I really just want this to be over because they're wasting. You know what? They spent the whole last issue fucking. Here's this guy, and here's that guy, and here's this guy, and now we're just gonna go fight. And that was this issue was just no names really, just fucking a lot of explosions and stuff. And it wasn't good explosions. It was just stupid. It was a limb of Sigma about to grab someone and then an explosion, and then they were okay. And it did that <laughs> rinse and repeat for 24 pages. Ah, oh, that sucks, man. Yeah, like... yeah. I, I expected so much more from this issue. But, you know, what are you going to do, man? I, I, Well, I... it's just, it's interesting. Like... Last year, or might have even been the year before now, my, my timeline's a little fuzzy, Robert Kirkman did a, a, a whole summer crossover event in Invincible, but he did it in one oversized issue. And it was just this massive fight, and it was the, the Viltrumite War was the, the name of the book. And it, like, literally at any other company would have taken 
eight issues, nine issues, whatever, with a bunch of tie-ins. Kirkman was like, no, nah, fuck it. It's just this one book because I know you guys are fatigued and I'm just going to throw it in here. So it was it was really enjoyable to read and, and like Invincible is just a great fucking book. You know, but we look at all these other you know, these other companies with their crossovers and whatnot, and even what I'm going to talk about a little bit later, Secret Wars, like, even as good as it is, it's like, all right, man, let's, come on, enough, let's move on. Yeah, they, they had this huge idea for what they wanted to do, and I think they spent too much time in the beginning throwing plot out there and bringing the the main characters into the book. Like, Mega Man and Sonic and all those characters. Maybe they shouldn't use as many fucking Sonic characters. I'm just saying. No one needed Sticks the Badger. No one everyone, fucking everyone needed. Everyone needs no, Sticks the Badger. No, no one needed that. I didn't need it. There was a point in this book where <laughs> there's a frame, and she's running away with Arthur's helmet. And I'm like, really? I needed a frame for that? You needed to break up all the, the fucking explosions with that? I don't care. Sticks, go fucking die in a fire. I hope Sigma squashes you, and I hope you're dead. I hope there's blood everywhere. I hope you die. <laughs> it's not mean, because it's a fucking cartoon character. I, I I don't fucking care. I don't care. I don't like Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom can go die in a fire with Sticks. I hope that ends it. I hope a warped fucking thing opens, and Sigma sticks his hand through, and grabs the planet, and fucking eats it, and I never have to see it again. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. How many more issues are left in this it's crossover? It's got to be two or three. Oh, my God, still? Yeah, maybe this... Nah, you know what? Because once Sigma goes, which I'm assuming is going to be next issue in Mega Man 52, they're going to have, you know, some sort of fallout stuff going on where mm -hmm. you see how these heroes get back to their world and what's going on and whatnot. And I know I'm bitching about this book a lot, but you got to understand, I have a very, very special spot in my heart for the Mega Man book because by itself, it's a very good book. Really, the only issues I ever had any sort of problem with were the first few, and I was willing to give it time to adapt to a comic landscape, and it did that very well. Now you throw all these characters in, which doesn't seem to be working, which is sad because they had a crossover last year, which worked fine. Yeah. So I just, I don't understand the difference because the same guy is writing it. So unless Archie yeah. told him specifically that, hey, you need to focus more on these other characters than you do Sonic and Mega Man, that's really the only way I could have seen this getting this bad. Because the, the big problem is... You're calling the book Sonic and Mega Man, but it's not. It's Sonic, Mega Man, and then everyone the fuck else. You can't put that many characters in a book. I made a count today. There's over 30 characters in this book. 30 characters they're squeezing in. All That's on screen. All on once. That's a lot. It is. It is. It's, it is for any book. You know, it just it doesn't make sense. Avengers for X-Men, you know, that might have had maybe 12, 15 main people in the book, if that. Well, it was a lot, but, you know, let's let's be honest. I, I think we would argue that the writing of Ian Flynn, that's the guy who's writing it, right? Yes. He does a decent job, but 
No, it's too much. It's too much. But it's, it's not his fault. Yeah, it, it's too much for for where he is right now. That's, that's and that's I mean. okay. Like that's not a pro. Like that is not a condemnation on the guy's skill level. That is just a fact. Like there are certain people that should not be given these giant, massive, like cross, like Chris Claremont. Man, he's one of the most respected and most beloved X Men writers that there ever has been. And if you gave that guy a crossover book now, it'd be a fucking mess. You're right. You know, it's just not his thing. So. You know, yeah, that's, no, I feel it's you, fine. I feel you. Yeah, no, it's it's just I I don't know why Archie thought this was a good idea. And, you know, when they advertised the book at the beginning, it was just supposed to be Street Fighter characters and Arthur. Yeah. And that was about it. And then you're throwing in Billy Hatcher and shit. No one gives a fuck about Billy Hatcher, bro. No one. Well, and that that might be part of the problem of Capcom coming in and being like, look, we got all these fucking Dope ass characters. Let's put him in. And Sega being like, we got Billy Hatcher. We put him in. Yeah, they threw in Alex Kidd too, and, and, and Knights. Alex Kidd and one of the cars from Daytona USA. Or if they the fuck, if they did that, I would have Virtual the Racer. Book. I would have closed the fucking book. I would have been like, <laughs> nope. nope. An anthropomorphic car like walking around on its back tires. That wouldn't have done it for you. Lightning McQueen. No, I do not want that. <laughs> do not want Lightning McQueen in my books. Well, and they, they seem to have missed an opportunity because Sega does have some very cool characters, but where the fuck is some Panzer Dragoon shit? They, no, there there is Panzer Dragoon. Just oh, is Very, there? very slightly. Very well, quick. Give me more of that. That's cool. No, you know what? The, the Monster Hunter Dragon and the Panzer Dragoon Dragon have a really cool scene where they're, like, both coming on each side of Sigma, and Sigma just fucking... I don't know what you call it, like, laser blast them in the head, and they both go down, and I'm like, damn. That shows, like, his power. Not, like, 17 or 18 frames of these little people fucking blasting him. Yeah. Him just beating the shit out of two dragons, one in each hand. I I think that's a very good display of what he can do. But they wasted a lot of that on other things, so... Yeah. You know, I, I get it. Archie, I think, put too much stress on... Porian Flynn, and he's sort of cracking under the pressure. There's there's not much you could do with that many characters and trying to f- still fit it into 24 pages. And, I mean, he sort of got to break this issue with it being a few more pages because I, I'm pretty sure it was giant size. I can't be 100%. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'll check later. But, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm happy it's going to be over. I'm happy I'm, I'll get Mega Man for a few more issues. And then I'm not reading Archie for a very long time unless Mega Man comes back. That's right, Archie. You hear that? Don't put Mega Man on hiatus. Unfortunately, it's not going to matter what I think, but here's it the should. hoping. No. I know it should. Well, well what else? I got? read some other things. I'm going to save the best for last. Okay. I read Batman 43. With Mr. Bloom? Yes, with Mr. Bloom. Man, that book took a right turn right at the end at what the fuck. Totally did I, it. I haven't read this issue yet. But have you been keeping up with the Batman stuff? I ha- I haven't read any of the Jim Gordon Batman in the official Batman book. The only the only stuff I've read is in like Batgirl and whatnot. But Okay, so where where this is like where it derails me right from the very beginning is one of my very favorite things of all time is the producers. Um because we're from the East Coast and god damn it, we all love Broadway. So the producers, Matthew Broderick's character in there is Mr. Bloom. 
right? You have Mr. Bialystok and Mr. Bloom. And I can't not hear Uma Thurman's character from the more recent adaptation of the movie walking around in her accent saying Mr. Bloom. And it really fucking throws me off. I well, gotta be honest. All right. Um, I know that's a personal thing. I but... have no retort for that. So, <laughs> congrats. It's just, it's just one of those things. Like, I saw the character and was, you know, immediately greeted by images of springtime for Hitler and, like, all the rest of the producers. So It could be Matthew Broderick in there, but a very evil Matthew Broderick. That would be fucking awesome. I like Matthew Broderick has a voice that can be nice, but it can also be very sinister at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, I could I I'm gonna give him that voice now because that's actually a pretty good idea of what Mr. Bloom is as a character because he's very right. polite, but when shit gets real, it gets it gets really fucking real. As I will tell you, I'll I'll give you a long <laughs> st- a TLDR version of Kay. this. Okay, so there's this new drug on the streets that's more of a weapon, and Mr. Bloom has it. It is the seed that he implants in people. He sows it into your body, and it gives you crazy-ass powers, like metahuman powers. Mm-hmm. So the first time Jim Gordon's out on the streets after we get the proper introduction to him, he faces this crazy electric guy that I might have mentioned a few issues back yeah. that's trying to rob the baseball player. And then the issue after that is there's a huge rock golem guy who can control the earth around him, which I also mentioned. And Batman drops a fucking bus on him. Like you do. Yes, obviously. So, we fast forward, and Jim Gordon's starting to realize that this is getting out of control, and these powers are getting worse. The electric guy was one thing, and he did all right with that. The fucking ground guy? That was a whole other thing. Like, he was in pretty big trouble with that. He almost got his ass killed. But... So we, we go to this next issue, and Jim Gordon's idea where it left off in the last book was, I got to find Bruce Wayne. I need to find Bruce, and I need to have him help me because I don't, I don't know if I could do this alone. Basically the DC Comics version of, I need an adult. I need an adult. Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. So Jim does find Bruce. He finds him in a sort of that rec was easy. center. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's he's new Batman, so new Batman has special powers. Sure. Like being a robot. <laughs> but yeah, it, it gets it, it gets a little weird because he's talking to Bruce and you're like, "Wait, Bruce is dead." And, no, Bruce isn't dead. You find out in this issue, uh spoilers. Fast forward ahead a good 5 or 6 minutes, you'll you'll be all right. Spoilers. Bruce Wayne didn't... Well, he did die against the Joker. But that crazy-ass chemical that made Joker come back for hundreds and hundreds of years seeped into Bruce's body. And now Bruce is alive, but it's not Bruce anymore. Uh, Apparently, his brain's been wiped clean of all that terrible things that happened to him as a kid. So he's basically Bruce Wayne if Bruce's parents didn't die. Yeah, so he has no want or need to be Batman. Alfred tried explaining everything to him, gave him the whole spiel, why this happened to him, you know, why there's a bat cave in his house and everything. Mm. And Bruce was like, I don't want it. Nope, I I don't need it. I don't want it. I want to be a normal person. I want to do good in my own way, not Batman's way. So, Alfred, leave me be. Fuck off. And I'm going to go do my own thing. And when he says that, uh, uh, 
I forget her name, something Madison, she shows up and she takes Bruce and they end up being a couple and now he works in a rec center with her. I think she's the director in the Narrows and he's helping kids the best way he knows how. He's, you know, fixing up the, the rec center. He's talking to the kids. He's trying to be a mentor to them and everything. And he's trying his best to forget about his past, it seems. But the past doesn't want to leave him alone. So he still have all he still has all his money. It sort of seems like it, but he, it you know what? I don't think he does because the Powers Corporation owns the Wayne Enterprises now. Okay. So whatever money he has is very little and it doesn't seem like he has any interest in the money at all. So we fast forward a little bit further and we get to Clark Kent who's been looking for Superman for a while and he finds Alfred. And he can't believe that Batman's just not Batman anymore. It doesn't make sense. How can Bruce Wayne just not want to be Batman? Because you got to understand, Bruce Wayne's greatest rival and best friend is Superman. That's that's just how the dynamic has always worked. That's why they had a fucking crossover book together for, what, 200 issues? <laughs> you know, Something like that. Yeah, you know, so they have a lot of history, and Clark can't just believe that he's gone. It doesn't make sense. So, Alfred's trying to explain everything to him, and he does a pretty good job. Again, that's how you learn a lot of the backstory about Bruce. And Clark's like, you know, Alfred, if you don't tell him that he needs to be Batman, I will. So, Alfred takes out one of the kryptonite rings, and he's like, you know what, go ahead. Go ahead, but let me remind you. And he, sh- he shoves the ring at Clark, and he says, that Bruce doesn't have any of the 15 years of experience that old Bruce Batman did. So you're just giving him a death warden if he puts on that cowl. You're forcing him to die, just like if I told you to fly and gave you this ring. And, you know, that was really good imagery. It it worked yeah. really well. And the book did a very good job of explaining that Bruce Wayne can't be Batman anymore, or for right now can't be Batman, which... I think it's cool because it's it's telling you that maybe he'll show up as a supporting character, but he's not going to be that, you know, main spotlight that he once was, which is giving Jim a good point to open up, which I like because I do like Jim as as Batman. It, it sort of works. Like um, the last few scenes of the book, he's fighting the triad to try and get information on this this Bloom guy. And the triad come out, and they have just lines and lines of dudes with guns. Now, Bruce Wayne would have fucking caped or something, disappeared and come up in back of him and started just breaking bones and stuff. You know what Jim Gordon does? What's that? Pulls out a battering gun and starts firing at him. Because <laughs> that's what he knows how to do. And I tell you what, pretty damn good. Turns into an all-out shootout. He ends up behind, like, this crazy table. And there's an aquarium set behind him with great white sharks with horns implanted in them. Because the the devil's triads, I think that's what they're called, are these horn dudes when you get to officers and you have to get implants and it's fucking weird. So they do the same things to the sharks. Now bullets (laughs) plus in a glass aquarium with sharks in it doesn't normally end well. No. Jim sees this. He sees that it's about to break. He jumps over the table. The glass breaks. The sharks take out what's remaining of the triads, and it's just fucking ridiculous. It's great. You see the sharks eating people. There's blood everywhere. It's cool. 
<laughs> and Jim's using <laughs> one of the sharks for cover to shoot the batarangs. It's it's great. I love it. It's it's very good. Fast forward a little further, we get a little bit on Mr. Bloom, which he's having a discussion with the penguin, and Mr. Bloom is saying, "I can give you this this pill seed, whatever you want to call it. It's yours. However, they're not for sale." I'm not giving them to you to sell. I'm giving one to you to help you, the penguin. And the penguin, being the douchebag he is, is like, that's not good enough. I need more. That's not the way this works. And I don't need powers because I'm the fucking that's, penguin. I've got my whole That's not how the drug trade works. Yeah, and the thing is, Penguin's gone his whole life without powers. He's, he's, he's one of the more interesting characters because he hasn't needed any power. Same thing with Toothface. To, to, Toothface, sorry. Toothface. Not Toothface. That's Arseface for you guys. Um, yeah, it's such a different villain. No, just... yeah, totally. Toothface is not a good character, and Large, nor would I want to see it. Gnashing teeth. So sort of like the rabbit from Monty Python. Yes, yes. <laughs> but Toothface, he doesn't have any powers either, and that's what makes those two interesting: is that they're just very powerful mob bosses with insane personalities. That's what makes the book interesting: is because they can do these things without the superpowers. Now, Penguin shoots Bloom right in the head and is like, well, I don't need you. I'll just take the damn pills. So he turns around, takes the pills. They start laughing and walk away. And he gets a few words out of his mouth to one of his bodyguards. And a bodyguard gets the fucking branch from Mr. Bloom stabbed right fucking through him. And there's a few more frames of that happening. And then fucking Penguin is just like, but, but. But and he gets stabbed right in the stomach, and we can only assume he's dead. And there's a nice little speech with Mr. Bloom. He says a few quotable things. I'll let you guys read it. But that's where the book leaves off, and that's what I mean with the crazy right turn. Is Penguin dead? He gone? I, I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine. Right, but he got stabbed right in the stomach, and Mr. Bloom's kind of holding him right now by the branch in the air. Staring yeah, that's, fu- that's fucked up, certainly. Yeah. And that's what I mean, like, that's, you know, while he's not a main character, per se, like, if Bruce Wayne died right now, well, if Bruce Wayne died right now, whatever. Actually, no one would probably care <laughs> actually, all that much. Actually, it wouldn't matter right now but to the book. If if you kill Jim off, say... And there's no one to fill that spot. That would kind of be like what sort of happened here, I guess, because the Penguin is a very established character. So I'm sort of wondering what's going to happen or if more people are going to die or if the Penguin's actually really dead. So I'm I'm, I'm into this. I want to see what happens. It was a good book. It was a very good book. And it, explaining why Bruce Wayne can't be Batman was very necessary. And they did a very good job of saying why. So. Well, and it sounds like they left a very clever way out of it as well. Because look, like that—that's just the way these things work. Eventually, Bruce Wayne is going to be Batman again. Like I don't think there's anybody reading comic books who who legitimately thinks that this is it for Bruce as far as Batman. Because it wasn't when Jean Paul Valley was Batman for a while. It wasn't when Dick Grayson was Batman for a while. And it won't be when Jim Gordon is Batman for a while. But what it seems like they've done here is given Bruce this out where he can be like, 
basically, nah, I was just fucking with you. All right, I'll be Batman again. You know, just you can have. I can already see that dialogue scene in my in my mind of him laying there with Jim Gordon as Jim has gotten his ass handed to him because he's just out of his depth and can't handle the situation. And Bruce shows up and he's like, you know, you were the the protector that this city needed at the time, but I'm ready to take back the cowl. And I was just bullshitting the whole time because I am the greatest detective ever. And that's what I do sort of thing. You know, I, I see where they're giving the option for that, but I think they're trying to give Jim Gordon a run for his money and really try to give him the best, foot forward that they can because I'm not gonna lie this is a pretty good character for oh yeah Batman yeah like he'll he'll stick around for a little bit but that's your way out of it no you're right you know it's sooner or later if if they want to put Bruce back they can however I feel the backlash for this hasn't been as bad as Doc Ock being Spider-Man no it hasn't um I don't know why that is I, I because I don't think I don't think that this is any better written um, than Superior Spider-Man. I think it's good. Superior I, Spider-Man was fucking great. Well, yeah, I, I think that was a great. Book. I think this Batman series is good, and I mean it's Scott Snyder still, so there's no reason it shouldn't be good. But I mean, it is difficult writing about a character who probably doesn't have as much depth as. Bruce does, and not that yeah. not as much backstory. While Jim Gordon does have a lot of backstory, and he does have many stories with him, it's not like they've touched on it yet. So I I want to see where this goes, and I'm hoping they do give Jim Gordon a proper shot at this, and seeing if he can. I, I you know what? I hope he's around for like a year or so. I I'd like to see a full year's worth of Jim Gordon at least. Well, and it really depends. I think. Um and maybe this is cynical to look at it this way, but I really think it depends on how they go with the movies, right? Like, if you look at what Marvel is doing with Captain America in their comic books right now, Steve Rogers is an old man, and Falcon has taken up the mantle of Cap, which it was Bucky before when Steve was dead, and then Steve came back, was Cap for a bit. Now he's old, um, and, you know, is just this old grizzled soldier kind of filling the role that Nick Fury used to fill in the Marvel Universe. Well, in the in the Marvel Cinematic stuff, the rumors are is that Chris Evans is not going to be Cap any longer because Cap is going to be killed, right? Like, and that's well, not yes, spoilers well, or anything. Civil War's are coming, people, so... But, but that one of the rumors is that Captain America, as portrayed by Christopher Evans, is either going to not make it past his next movie, Civil War, that comes out next year, or he's going to die off in the first half of um, of the Infinity Gauntlet stuff. So, well, they should you know, do they it can... properly, and they should kill him off in Civil War because that's the spoilers. That's how the fucking book goes. So, <laughs> yeah, read that book from nine years ago. Yeah, but... if, you, if you haven't read that, just <laughs> fucking read it, please. But you know, because of that, the comic books can not have the same guy being Captain America, it's kind of okay and sort of maybe leads lends a little bit more credence to to the rumors that Chris Evans isn't going to make it all the way through. But with Batman, on the other hand, they've never really had any period of sustainability where Bruce Wayne has not been Batman. So 
I hope that they give Scott Snyder time. Like, really all I hope for is that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are given the space to tell their story. Yeah, yeah. You know, you tell them that they need to kill Batman and then use someone else, and I think they did a very good job at doing that and having a good creative direction. And they do need time for this to work. This isn't something overnight that you can do. With any sort of passing of the torch, mm-hmm. time needs to be given. And yeah, I, it's not a six-month no, story. No, not at all. And that's sort of what happened with Superior Spider-Man. I think that was around for less than a year. Around that. Um, it was it was right about a year. Yeah, I and think. they they squeezed a lot of issues out of that book too because they did a few double ups in a month where you yeah, had they, like two issues in a month. Yeah. And it was gr- I mean it was really great. I really loved the Superior Spider-Man stuff. They did a lot of really interesting stuff with it. And I it that one the only issues I ever had with Superior Spider-Man was the way that it ended because it felt rushed. It felt like all right fuck bring back Peter Parker. You yeah. know. Yeah. And it was still good. It made sense, but it didn't feel it felt like there's a couple issues missing in the overall story. No, but, I, I feel you, you know. man. It happens. So Batman 43, much better than Sonic 275. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, surprise. So, all right, one more book from you, Dean. You said you're saving the best for last. Come on, you know what it is. I know. It's Kaiju Max, I- number five. God, I love that book. It's so good. It's so great. <laughs> Did you read number four? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was behind. I didn't read four, and I, I read them back <coughs> to back, and it was awesome because, for one, you have this whole prison stabbing scene with Electra mm-hmm. Gore and this new guy. What's his name? Naz? Nor? Not, it's like four letters, and he's the—I don't know what the fuck he is. Some some monstery name. He's the big douchebag mountain guy that yeah. was fucking with Mechazon when he first got there. Because this was the dude that Mechazon was supposed to take out. We haven't seen Mechazon since, which has kind of bummed me out because I, I do like them. But anyway, yeah, this, this dude fucking stabs him in the shower, and Electrogore has to go to the the nurse. I, <laughs> I guess that's what you call it. it. Sounds very elementary, but the, the infirmary. The infirmary. Thank you, the nurse. <laughs> so she patches him up, and she's like, "Oh, I'm caring for you." Blah blah blah. And Electrogore feels sort of like comforted by this this person, and while she's taking care of him. This douchebag, like, space prince that's stuck in jail ODs on uranium, which the drug dealer prison guard has been doling out to other people, but it seems like this space prince guy got his hands on it, even though he wasn't supposed to. And he ends up fucking ODing, and it's bad news bears for poor Gupta, because he lost a finger in last the issue before that. Poor he might Gupta. lose his fucking head now, but... uh yeah, he didn't take that too well. So he, he tells the, the infirmary doctor to come over. She leaves Electrogore alone. Electrogore's like, but I don't feel good. And she's like, take, it, <laughs> take him back to the, the, his, his crater or whatever the fuck they call the cells. And it, it gets really weird from then on in because we don't see Electrogore much after that besides the, his little cellmate buddy that got separated from him. 
mm-hmm. like flipping the fuck out because he got stabbed and he's like, I'll kill whoever did this. I'm so high. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's, it gets fucking weird. And then the, the Mr. Fucking rain cloud, bad day. John comes along and throws the dude into the corners. Like you better fucking cut this shit out. And he's still yelling and screaming. So John just straight up fucking slams him and literally punches his teeth out it gets pretty brutal very oz very oz it god it's it's what makes this book so interesting yeah yeah like just this hardcore prison drama with ridiculous monster characters yeah and you never know what's gonna happen because like you're getting a lot of focus on different characters like it started out with electrogore being sent there like, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem like the main character anymore. There seems like there's a lot of focus on just the entire idea of the prison. So, uh, Too Long didn't read for the fi- fifth issue. Let's see if I could uh, sum this up real quick. Mr. Raincloud Jong has a really bad day, gets in a fender bender, and turns into fucking Godzilla in the <laughs> middle of the parkway and starts fucking swatting down, like, ro- like the other robot helpers and stuff and shit and busting cars and whatnot. And it gets really fucking bad. Like, I don't know. I have, I have often had that exact fantasy sitting in traffic, driving through Brooklyn. Turning into Jet Jaguar and just fucking shit up? Just destroying shit so that I can get home and get across the goddamn bridge. He didn't want to get home. He just flipped the fuck out. It got really bad. So I'll go through this little storyline first. The general who finally ends up slowing him down and, like calming him to the point where they just have guns pointed at him and if he transforms again they're gonna blow his fucking brains out she calls the the head guy at the kaiju max and she's like listen we got your boy here and he did some massive damage but i'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt because we're friends and you can come pick him up and talk to him if you want so he's like, all right, I'll be right there. Because apparently uh, the, the main guy, who I, ke- I can't remember his name, he's the mustache dude. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got a good relationship with Jong. Jong's like one of the, the key dudes in Kaiju Max. He's like one of the best soldiers in the, the, the prison. So he has a good relationship with the, the head guy. So he goes out there. And they have like a sort of, I, I don't know how to put it, like, hey there, champ moment. Had, had a bad day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And hey there, champ. Yeah, how you doing? And Jong's like, I'm I'm alright, sir. I'm I'm so sorry. I I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just I I keep I keep trying to do my job, but it's so hard to look away. And I, I see where he's coming from because he's trying to be on the straight and narrow, but he sees, you know, Gupta fucking around, but he doesn't want to rat out his friend. Uh he sees all these terrible things happening behind the scenes in Kaiju Max. But no one wants to do anything about it. They just rather let the the monsters, you know, kill themselves rather than trying to retain order in the place. So it's affecting him, and I think that's what ultimately led to this huge like outburst. So he walks away. The, Message. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Commentary on the American political system. Yeah. So <laughs> what what ends up happening is the the head guy's like, all right, you know, they're there. Uh, we'll work this out. So. He walks over to his old buddy who used to be a lieutenant. Now she's a general. And she's like, you know, for anyone else, he would have been cuffed and in stasis and going to Hong Kong right now. But he's your guy. 
and we got history. So tell me why I should let it slide. And he goes into a whole thing like, I remember another young soldier that was crazy focused about being the best and sometimes things got in the way and I thought I'd never see you again, but look at you now. You're general and that could be him one day. So they have a little heart to heart and she's willing to let this slide even though the dude did billions of dollars in damage. <laughs> she makes it completely clear that he did more damage in one day than they did, uh, well, then monsters did in an entire raid. So, <sighs> like, she's trying to put very well that this is a very big favor <laughs> and that she, he should be going to jail for this. This is a big deal. Don't fuck this up. Yeah, but he's probably going to fuck it up because the kid oh, seems sure. like he's having a lot of issues struggling. And as soon as they get back to the, the prison and Jong's trying to talk to the head guy... Bad things happen, man. Bad things fucking happen. So you know that kid who's been talking to Woofy? Yeah. Uh, Woofy is Big Whale Ape, the big boss's kid. And um, he's been having, like... A great these, name. Yeah, the, yeah. It's, 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 big Whale It's Ape. Godzuki from, you know, <laughs> the island monster Godzilla mm -hmm. movies. Whatever. Fucking stupid. Don't need to watch him. But it's the same sort of premise. Dream Kid's there. And he's talking to this woofy character, except things get really dark. And it's the fact that he's like, oh, Dream Kid, I love you. You're my best friend. And the Dream Kid's like, Woofy, you know what would be funny? If we poisoned your dad. Wouldn't that be so funny? Wouldn't that be really funny if we just poisoned him? Only a little bit. Just enough to get him <laughs> sick. Because that's funny. And Woofy's uh. like, I don't know, Dream Kid. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Meanwhile, he doesn't know his real name. He just keeps calling him Dream Kid, and I, I'm, I'm just like, don't, Wolfie, well, don't do it. Like, Whale Ape might be a dick, but this isn't gonna end well. And sure enough, guess what happens? It doesn't end well. No, they're having <laughs> like a big meeting of like all these um, big kaiju's. Like Whale Ape is one of the biggest kaijus that there is uh he he is classified as some sort of natural like god-like phenomenon he is not like the other kaijus he's not man-made he's the thing of myths so there are other kaijus like that and they have a sort of gang put together and they are the head honchos there's nothing in the world stronger than them and he's at the top of it so as you can imagine poor woofy Poison's daddy, and he doesn't just make him sick. He fucking kills him. <sighs> Peer pressure's a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, and he's all sad now because he thought this was going to be a practical joke. It's not a practical joke. Daddy's dead, and things get really fucked up after that because he's like, Daddy, no, please just explode and become, become whale ape again. And please, and apparently that's something Whale Ape can do if, like, he gets really fucked up. He can, like, kind of reincarnate himself. But it doesn't seem like it's happening this time. Like, they knew what was going to kill him. And this kid obviously isn't a kid. He He's some right. sort of figment of another monster that can, like, shapeshift or something. So, whatever happened, they knew this was going to kill the Whale Ape once and for all. So, he does explode. 
Except he explodes into like just body parts and giblets everywhere, oh. right into the like on the kid. Giblets. Yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> and this this poor Wolfie is just plastered with fucking whale ape guts, and it's it's oh. fucking nasty. So back to the heart to heart talk between the head guy and Jong. Like Jong's about to open up, being like, you know, maybe I can't do this anymore. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And this explosion happens, which you could see across the island. And the head guy's like, Jong, what are you doing? Come on, we need to get over there. Something bad's happened. So they they run over there, and Jong's like, Yeah, I'm um, all right. I'm I'm coming. I guess. <laughs> all right. Okay. And he walks oh, over no. there in his battle armor and everything, and he sees the kid covered in blood, blood and guts everywhere, and he looks at it. He sighs. He says, nope, I quit. And he walks away. And that's the end of the fucking book. And I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm digging this. I There's turmoil in this fucking prison, and I want to see where this goes. I love this book so much. It's so great. I it It's such a great book. I never want it at the end. It's so good. Well, unfortunately, next month is the close of season one. Oh, it's going to go on hiatus? for four months no i know uh, so no kaiju max in october november december or january but february will be the glorious return of kaiju max all right we well, you got to get xander cannon on here in the me- meantime we will it's happening we will. now xander we're coming for you bro <laughs> stop making such a great book damn it or if you're going to continue to make a great book we need it every month. We do. That, in fact, but, we do. We know Oni Press probably isn't exactly uh, pressuring you to get on that, but we're pressuring you. Please, make more. <laughs> Please? <laughs> Please, this... I count on you. Like, What I do you think this. makes Sonic better every month? <laughs> How do you think we've gotten through all these crossovers? Mm-hmm. God damn it, Xander Cannon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're our only hope. So, Batman and Kaiju Max were definitely worth a read. Sonic, you know, I'm I'm just running on fumes right now, man. Um, I'll be excited when it's over. Sonic, read it if you hate yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Dan, you read know. some I, books, you know. So I let's, I let's did. Do I it. I read a few things. Um, Walking Dead, uh, latest issue of Walking Dead. What what always amazes me about this book is the amount of forward movement Kirkman is able to get when he does these little in-between issues. Like, the last couple of months of Walking Dead have been really intense and really heavy with Alpha and the Whispers and all the stuff that's been going on with them. And last month, you know, Rick and Alpha had this big, long conversation, and Rick realizes just really how big her army of zombies are and or how big her army is. And just how fucked all of them are if they push this too far without a really good plan because it's the walking dead and it's it's rick grimes damn it he's going to push it too far that's what he does right girl it's we've seen it throughout the entire run of this book of of where Rick should probably just like take a step back and be like i'm gonna let somebody else handle this he's just all out war you know, time after time, the prison, Negan, fucking everything. So war is going to eventually become to to come between 
Rick and Alpha. That's where this that's where this story ends. But last issue, twelve members of their community, Alpha's people captured them or led them astray and cut off their heads, put their heads on spikes, and used them to mark the borders. The big gut-wrenching one was Ezekiel. Ezekiel's head is up on a pike, and you're like, fuck, man. God damn it, because Ezekiel, everybody fucking loved Ezekiel. He was such a cool character, such like a cool old dude, and, you know, he he was trying to get back to Michonne. And this issue, all it deals with is pretty much Michonne's reaction to seeing Ezekiel's head up on this pike, and then a conversation between Michonne and Rick. It's pretty much the only thing that happens in this book. There's a little bit towards the end where Rick, like the last page of the book, is Rick talking to his community saying, 12 of our people went missing. I'm afraid I have some bad news. That's where the book ends. But really, I mean, we're we're talking about the span of probably a few hours is what this book covers. And it's so emotional and so intense. And leads or basically gives us this insight to to Rick for the very first time he says to Michonne because they're having this conversation and she's like we're not going to fucking fight them what are you talking you're Rick Grimes damn it that's what you do you go fucking fight people you know if it were Carl's head up there or Andrea's head up there you you'd would be, be fucking you'd be losing your shit and for the first time in the history of this book Rick looks at her and says, you're right, and I need you to be stronger than me, which, which is a good line, but it's also a really fucked up line. It's like, I know you're mad, but the way I'm going to get you to not be mad is to guilt trip you into not, like, Rick is a shitty person. <laughs> Rick sucks. You know, I think that's been clearly established. That would have worked on me book. if you said that. I would have been like, Fine. It works on asshole. everybody. That's the thing. Like, that sort of line that I need you to be stronger than me, that works on everybody. It's psychology 101. It's bullshit. And it's it's cheap. You know what I mean? She is right, though, and he is right, that when this fight happens, because it's going to, they need to have a plan, because they are vastly outnumbered. It is a ridiculous... Like, 30 to 1 if we're being generous that they're outnumbered with the amount of zombies that Alpha has under her control. So, again, Walking Dead remains one of the most interesting books that is published every month. And what's so fascinating about it is that it can be so many different things. It can be a horror book. It can be a slice-of-life book. It can be a conversational book. It can be, it can be so many things, and all of it is of a very, very high quality. And what this is setting up is, if I may make a prediction, the triumphant return of Negan to the story, where Rick actually needs his help to defeat Alpha. And fuck, am I excited about that? Because Negan is the shit. Well, I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm really excited. Like. I, I, it blows me away, and we've talked about it a lot in the last couple of months. I, I am consistently surprised that after this many issues, I'm just as into this book as I always have been. No, I feel you, man. I mean, 
It's crazy. Walking Dead's always been consistently good, and it seems like Robert Kirkman is planned sufficiently enough where every time he might get close to a point where he stopped planning for, he can just keep coming up with stuff. I, I think he has a, a constant backlog of ideas that he can just keep going to. I, it seems to be with the, with the consistency and the regularity that this book has been delivering on, he seems really far ahead in his own story. Now, I don't I don't know if that's true. This he might be making this shit up as he goes along, but it's so it's so thoughtfully planned, and everything is so clever that it, it really seems like he knows where this shit is going for the next long while no, I, and that's I, a I good thing you. you know a lot of times a lot of times when comic book writers and artists if you listen to their interviews when they do a complete run on a book they will usually admit to i know where it started and i knew where it ended i had no idea how we were going to get there though we figured that part out in in between and it doesn't seem like that's how kirkman's operating right now maybe he is and maybe that's how good he is yeah, he can I mean, make it seem like it, if, you know? if he's, you know, going every, say, seven issues and planning that way, that's that's pretty impressive because mm-hmm. he's given such a, a narrative to this story about zombies. Yeah. Zombies don't have a lot of depth most, most of the they time. They really don't. So It's really a pretty shallow concept. Yeah, so... It's it's tried to be done before, and, I mean, this is a sterling example of how it's done right. It, it really is. And next month will be a good jumping-on point if you are a lapsed reader of The Walking Dead, if you haven't been keeping up with the book. There is always enough in there to catch you up to where you need to be, and next month uh, should be the start of, like, the next big thing in The Walking Dead. So if you've fallen off the book, if you've never read the book, uh, get on it. it. It's a great fucking book, and it will reward you month after month uh, with just the utmost consistency in it. I cannot give it any higher praise. It is such a great fucking book. Moving on from that, uh, picking up for, or covering for Evan, who has been bringing us our Secret Wars coverage. Uh, Secret Wars has been has been an interesting crossover so far because the main book has come out in spurts where you'll get issues one, two, three, three weeks in a row, and then three weeks of nothing. And then we got issue four two weeks ago, and now this week issue five. And while all of that is going on, we're getting all these other tie-in books uh, that have been varying levels of quality. Obviously, there's been a, a, a lot of a lot of good stories, a couple great ones, and a couple really terrible ones, as is to be expected with with most crossovers. Like, usually it's not all bad. As much as we may like to say, like, oh, fucking summer crossovers again, oh, God. Usually there's some, some good stuff to pick out. You know, I didn't think there was in Convergence. We talked about that. I thought most of Convergence was bad, minus, like, the Shazam book. But... You know, this one, same kind of thing. You've had some books that people are digging. A-Force people seem to be into. The Planet Hulk stuff has been good. The Old Man Logan stuff has been good. Ghost Racers is interesting. 
Um, that came out this week. And, uh, the conclusion of the Master of Kung Fu little book has been cool, which anytime Shang-Chi is in a book, that's usually pretty awesome. But the two that I wanted to focus on uh, that I spent the most time with this week were Secret, World's, Secret Wars Battle World number four and Secret Wars number five. Battle World was interesting because it took... Because this is a patchwork universe that we're dealing with now, there are multiple instances of the same hero within these different regions. So we saw in this one two versions of the Silver Surfer. And the first story in the first half of the book is the Silver Surfer in Egyptia. And he is teamed up with the Juggernaut to take down Fin Fang Fu. Oh, the Juggernaut. Yeah, it, it was it was cool. Like I really liked it. He the, the surfer was going out to find meat for Galactus, right? Galactus showed up. Same kind of deal. Uh, the the regular origin story of the Silver Surfer. Galactus shows up at Shangri La, and Norn Rad, in exchange for the life of the people, uh, agrees to become his herald and find things for Galactus to eat, find planets. In this version, Galactus is eating. Uh, these giant monsters and surfers looking for Fin Fang Foom. He is not a dragon in this one, however, because it is taking place in Egypt. He is a giant, massive fuck-off crocodile in the Nile River. Wait, who? Fin Fang Foom. Oh, okay. Big dragon, Got usually Got wears it. the purple shorts. Got it, yeah. Not a dragon. He's a crocodile in this one. And a fucking really cool-looking crocodile. Like, the artwork was really awesome in this book it, it was like it was really detailed and, and photorealistic without being a photo reference if that makes sense like everything looked just perfectly realized fucking foom looked awesome surfer teams up with juggernaut they kill fin fang foom juggernaut takes all of his teeth and he's like you know this will turn some heads when i come back because he's gonna make a fucking necklace out of him um, Juggernaut's the fucking coolest, man. He's pretty awesome. Silver Surfer uh, cuts up, like, butchers Fin Fang Foom like you would take a cow to a butcher. Like, he dresses the meat and whatnot, and he makes his way back to Galactus because Galactus had made this deal with him. He would keep uh, the people alive as long as Surfer continued to feed him. Uh, but most specifically in this one, his wife, he's got her in this crystal and at, when Surfer gets back, Galactus has gotten too hungry, and he has consumed the souls of everyone, including uh, Surfer's wife. Surfer, as you can imagine, loses his shit and starts to fight Galactus. Galactus is so hungry at this point that his insides attack the Silver Surfer. That's impressive. And, yeah, like... They rip out of his face and his mouth and like the little the little uh, narration bubble that was there says, you know, like Galactus was so hungry that his insides attacked the surfer for any bit of nourishment. It's like, well, that's really fucked up and really kind of scary and creepy. And it looks really cool. Like there's these giant intestines and shit shooting out of oh. Galactus. Trying to, yeah, trying to get the silver surfer. It's a really fucking interesting looking book. Um Surfer wins and, like, just, you know, blows Galactus up. Because he's so fucking weak at that point. Uh, there's nothing he can really do. He's 
stuck in the ground. He's eaten everyone that's there, including the surfer's wife, which, like, was the ultimate deal as much as it was to protect the people. Like, it was somewhat selfish on surfer's point to keep his wife alive. But once that stopped, he fucking kills Galactus and rides off into the sunset. So that's the end of the first half. Without his wife. With the juggernaut. No, Juggernaut's just, he fucks off and goes and does something else. I want him to ride but, off into the subset with the Juggernaut. Pretty Like, pick him up Old on hands. his board. yes. Maybe that's where he's going to go. Good. It was it was really cool. Like, ultimately, it doesn't drive the plot forward any, uh, just to give us this little peek into the Egyptian region of the battle world. Uh, we then go over to the Maestro's domain. Maestro, for those of you who don't know, is the future version of Bruce Banner as the Incredible Hulk, where he has uh, basically lost his grip on reality and has become the world's foremost despot of just being in control and is always the Hulk, never reverts to Bruce Banner, uh, has retained all of the intelligence, has become a big hit with the ladies, and has killed basically everyone else and taking uh taking their their most identifiable thing as trophies so he has thor's hammer and he has captain america's shield and he has iron man's mask and all of this shit in his trophy room and it's a quick little story it's uh it was only a couple of pages but maestro is basically having a uh, a sex party there's a lot of uh, scantily clad women about the place. That and Hulk dick, though. That Hulk dick, though. Um, a guy comes, like a guard comes in and he's like, uh, Master, there's uh, an intruder. To which the Maestro's reply is, I'm in a good mood. Tell him to come on in. He doesn't have to skulk around anymore. He can pick a woman and have his way with her. Like, it's awful generous of you, sir, but he's not actually on his way here. He is on his way to the trophy room. Um... And, and I know that it's, you know, usually nobody can get in there except for you, but he is uh, just cutting through the door with his hand. So we flip the panel, like Maestro flips out, walks down there, and he says, oh, I thought it was you, as he confronts the Silver Surfer. And Surfer says, you know, who gave it to you? Maestro replies with uh, Lord Doom or God Doom gave it to me, and Surfer says, it's, it was not his to give, it's not yours to have. I'm taking it back. Is it his board? It's his board. Yeah. Because Maestro has Silver Surfer's board. They get into a fight. Um, Surfer basically toys with the Maestro. I was going to say, like, Silver Surfer is, like, pretty much all powerful. Yeah, like, if they ever wanted to turn him into a villain, like, he would be the most powerful thing that they had ever created Mm -hmm. kind of deal. Like, that is how ridiculous of a character he is, but... He basically toys with the maestro, flicks him around a bit, gets his board. His board's all fucked up, so he repairs the board with the power cosmic. And uh, maestro says, you know, you can't leave here, and does the big the big Hulk thunderclap thing. And Surfer just looks at him and says, uh, I've ridden through the heart of a sun just to see what it looked like. Did you think clapping your hands would stop me? <laughs> bitch please (laughs) it was like it's the most badass line i've ever read from the silver surfer and it was like that's fucking cool you're a badass and he and he just rides away like he just leaves him you know he's like do not come after me it will be very bad for you 
was like, wow, that was fucking badass. So, again, doesn't advance the plot really all that much. Um, plenty of fun, though. Plenty of fun, right? So, uh, Surfer is going to play an important role uh, going forward in Secret Wars. The reason he is getting his board back is because he is going to help the uh, the 616 characters that were kind of pulled here outside of the time stream, like Thor and, and you know, Reed Richards and all those guys and Star-Lord and basically all the characters that are going to be in movies that we wanted to highlight. Um, all the guys that are going to end up being the heroes of the storyline, Surfer is going to go help them. Um, so this was a little bit of setup for that, but overall just a fun Silver Surfer story. And if, you, if you've ever looked at the Silver Surfer and, and thought, like I used to think back in the day of, well, he just looks stupid, right? Like a silver guy on a surfboard through space. That's that is so fucking 70s. I can't even stand it, and I have no interest in it. Read this book or read the the, the solo series oh that, God, dude, uh, that Dan Slott has been doing. That shit is like fucking doing. Doctor Who on crack. It is. It's just Doctor Who, like the acid trip version. It will show you just how cool of a character Silver Surfer can be. It's fucking badass. I really liked this book. Um, it, for my money, was the most enjoyable of the Battle World books so far because it was just fun. It was just cool. You get Fing Fang Foom as a crocodile that looked really cool, and then you get Silver Surfer just being the ultimate badass. Last thing uh, for this week that we'll cover, Secret Wars number five. It starts with the funeral for Sheriff Strange. Last issue, Stephen Strange uh, sent the heroes of the story throughout the battle world. He had sent them out against the wishes of God Doom. Doom ends up killing Strange. And this issue kind of deals with the fallout of that. We get a lot of the backstory of how the world was created, how Battleworld came to be. Uh, the Beyonders created the Molecule Man, who has been kind of a throwaway character for, I don't know, basically his entire existence in the books, is kind of retconned into being a bomb set up by the Beyonders to erase reality. Oh, great. Yeah, so if they set off all the different Molecule Men throughout the multiverse would have wiped out reality. So what Stephen Strange and Doctor Doom were doing, along with some other characters, is they were jumping into other realities and killing instances of the Molecule Man. And as Doom is talking to the last remaining Molecule Man, he explains to him, you know, every time you killed another instance of me, even though you weren't necessarily killing me, it took a little piece of me away. So, pretty much now, he is just bananas insane. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Not a good person to be fucking crazy, but you've killed all the other versions of him. This guy is just fucking nuts now. So, they have a long conversation um, just about really just the history of the battle world and what Doom is going to do going forward. Doom has a conversation with, in this universe, his daughter Valeria. Um, regular universe, it's Reed Richards and Sue's daughter, but here it is Doom and Sue Richards uh, or Sue Storm's daughter Valeria. He says to her, you know, 
did you find out what Steven did? Did you find out who these other people are yet? What what are you doing? We need to know what's going on. And, you know, she says, we're working on it, but there's a lot of variables and whatnot. And Doom being Dr. Doom says, you know, do not confuse my um, do not confuse my undying love for you with limitless patience. It's like, OK, Dad, that's kind of scary. Yeah, ominous. Uh, I'll get on it. I'm working on it. So Valeria gets together the future foundation in the, in this universe, which is one of the power pack and her brother and dragon man and Nostradamus for some fucking reason. And a couple other characters. And she says, basically we need to find out what happened. I will deal with my father, but anything we find out stays between us for right now. There is some shit going on right now, and we need to find out what it is. But most importantly, and this is where I thought this issue was so effective. As she's giving this this voiceover in, in dialogue boxes, we're seeing panels of some of the different heroes, and eventually we get to Thanos. And Thanos is outside the wall. And Thanos is looking around and kind of surveying the landscape. And the last panel has it goes from valeria saying we need to figure out what happened we see a picture of thanos the next panel says and why it has god so scared and it's a picture of thanos smiling it was like that's fucking awesome motherfuckers up to something that's a cliffhanger that's how you do that i'm excited now for the next issue i was already excited the the main secret wars book has been so much better than damn near any other crossover I've ever read. Like, it is fucking great. The tie-ins have been of varying quality, but this main book has been... Oh, it's been solid. Phenomenal. And that's how you do it. Why is God so scared? Thanos smiling. There's only a couple of... There's three issues left. Six, seven, and eight. I... They need to wrap this up because it's been dragging on for a number of months now at this point. We need to get to the end of this story so we can get to the new Marvel stuff that we know is coming. It's I'm really curious to see where this is going to go because a lot of the all-new Marvel stuff that they have shown anyway, or at least given previews of, has been a lot lighter in tone, certainly than what was coming before, and certainly versus what is going on in Secret Wars. It's been a lot more colorful and bright and lighthearted. So I'm really curious to see how we get there. Hickman's writing has been spectacular so far. Esad Ribic, if you're not a fan, I'm not really sure what it would take to convince you that this guy is phenomenal, but his artwork has been phenomenal. The inking, the coloring, just it's just a great book, man. And Secret Wars, if you've been waiting to jump on, um, you need to go back and read from issue one. Unfortunately, this isn't a jump on kind of book. I don't think this is something that you should wait for the trade for. Marvel's usually really good, like they'll have the trade out the next month. But because the shipping has been somewhat erratic on this book, um, who who knows when that's going to be. I really hope this doesn't fall into the trap of... 
well, we've got to get these new books out, even though the crossover is not done. So here's all the shit that would have, that should be happening next, but you know, like, which has happened before, you know, I mean, we had the, just recently with Hawkeye, the all new, all different Hawkeye book launched that's being written by Jeff Lemire while Matt Fraction's Hawkeye book hadn't finished yet. And that just smacks of like just amateur hour, you know? Some so I really hope we, about. yeah, I really hope we don't get to that point, but I mean, it's just, it's just a great book. I look forward to it every week, which is not something you usually find with a crossover. So secret wars, number five, pick it up. Um, battle world number four, definitely pick it up and walking dead uh, jump on. If you've fallen off, if you're been along for the ride, you know, you know what I say is, is, I mean, what more can be said about how great that book is. So I think that's going to about do it for this week. It's a lot of comics. It is a lot of comics. We talked about six of them. So that, that was quite a bit for the two of us. It is, but it was good. It was good. We had a primarily good week. I think we did. Yeah, it was much better than last week. Next week is looking to be pretty good as well. So until that time, Dean, if anybody wants to talk to us about any of the stuff we talked about on our social media, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, um, basically anywhere. Any of those social media sites that you have a guess we might be on, we probably are. Any of the main ones, of course, are the Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. We do a lot of stuff on as well now. So, yeah, be sure to check us out on there. Be sure to follow us and like us. That would certainly mean a lot. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, which would be fantastic. Also, be sure to follow us on YouTube and Twitch because we are gearing up to do some awesome, awesome stuff in the very near future, which, I mean, you guys probably heard in the last episode we were talking about as well. So, uh, with that, you can also find all the books we were talking about in the show notes, whether it be any of the Sonic stuff, uh, crossovers for Secret Wars, any of that will be there. You can go ahead and click on it. It will bring you to a link on Comixology to even purchase the book right then and there if you want. How convenient. I know. Otherwise, there is a nice little contact us link right at the bottom if you want to shoot us any emails. But if you don't want to go through the trouble, our email is mail at geekade.com. That is mail at G-E-E-K-A-D-E.com. Awesome. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Dean at kimono underscore vestlord. That's kimono underscore vestlord, which is a fabulous Twitter handle. Thank you. You can follow me at geekadan just like it sounds. Uh, you can follow Evan somewhere. I'm sure he's giving updates. Herpes nematodes. Uh, herpes nematodes. It's so fucking terrible. Uh, it just it makes me sad. Hopefully Evan will be back with us next week. If not, Dean and I will be here to cover your comic reading needs, man. Shoot us a line. Shoot us an email. Let us know what you thought. If you have any questions, we'll read your email on the air. It'll be a good time. Till then... For Evan Goldstein, Dean DeFalco, and Dan Ryan, I 